0: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My house... Just got a whole lot crazier. If you've uh, followed the podcast or the Nine Finger Chronicles on social media, then you know that this past weekend, uh, my wife gave birth to my second son, Knox, and uh, we are happy to say that everything went perfect. He's born healthy. He is happy. Um, The... The... (laughs) brothers and sisters haven't rejected him yet they think he's cute and adorable but uh, you know that might all change when he's up at midnight screaming (laughs) so i am i am very very happy and i just want to take this moment to to share a thought that i had this weekend when i was sitting there holding my my brand new uh child and I had a lot of people in the hunting community reach out to me and say, hey man, you know, whether they had their own thing going or they're just followers of the podcast, right? Uh, I had a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, congratulate me. And I just want to say that a thank you to everybody who um, has reached out to me. Uh, Thank you for uh, the congratulations. I really appreciate that. And I also want to say that it's one of those hunting when it, when you boil it down to the most common denominator, it revolves around people, right? And it's people that are the most important, not the activity of hunting itself. But for me, it's the people that I've met in the last 10 years where I've been involved in the hunting industry and involved in the hunting community. It's that makes all of this worthwhile whether they're you know the owner of a company with a cool new product or they're just a regular joe like me and you out there uh, that is what it's all about and going in even a little deeper you find that hunting is secondary in life man the the products the gear the the strategy the stories that that we talk about they they are they are secondary and what I mean by that is family is the most important thing that you have and I would be a fool to say that I would put all of this aside for my family right none of this really matters to me if I can't either share it with my family or friends or you know if I had to choose I'm obviously going to choose my family every time and I think that's one thing that When it comes to big bucks, you know, everybody's so focused on the big racks and the hunting strategy and stuff like that. And just this weekend made me realize that as passionate as I am about the outdoors, hunting, fishing, camping, all that stuff, I'm way more passionate about my family. And that's crazy to think and crazy to say because... I'm really passionate about hunting and fishing in the outdoors and conservation, so just to let everybody out there know, man, when the season starts to rock and roll, we have to remember that we are putting some people on the on the sidelines we're putting them on the back burner um and if they don't know or don't understand or you haven't done a good job to explain to them what your passion is, you have to also tell them that your passion is your family as well because uh you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the love and support of my family. So uh, it's just something to think about, and I just wanted to get that off my chest. So, oh, it's shit's gonna get real here uh, in uh, in the next couple of days with uh, the introduction. We we're we're home now. and I'm obviously recording this podcast. Uh, my my kids have not yet gotten back. To the, uh, the house They spent the weekend with grandma and grandpa So we will see What it's going to be like I think there's going to be a huge adjustment These first couple weeks with uh, the new baby And then trying to show the attention To all of the uh, You know the rest of the kids So I think uh, we're going to do a pretty good job at it But Today's podcast We're going to be joined by Mike Tessatori And he runs an organization Called Hunters for Deer And this is a really interesting organization that introduces landowners of properties in Long Island, New York, right? So when you think of Long Island, when I think of Long Island, New York, I don't think of, you know, awesome hunting for whitetails. But, you know, as Mike will explain in this podcast, it's a great place. There's lots of deer that need to be hunted and his organization gathers hunters and introduces them basically to landowners to help with the overpopulation problem it allows hunters who want to hunt properties to hunt, and it uh, helps some of the landowners uh, solve problems like uh, eating their expensive landscaping, destroying landscaping, getting hit by cars, all that stuff helps reduce the population, which is a good thing. So uh, Mike's going to get into that today, and I'm I'm not really prepared for this podcast today. I'm trying to wing through it, get it done so I can get, get out there and spend some time with my son. But uh, let's see who is the commercial today. Ripcord arrow rests. Now, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to go check out uh, Ripcord arrow rests, and uh, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, th- their rests are badass, dude. Especially their new ones um, that when they started, you know, you draw back, and if you would let down the the rest would go down, right? They fixed that problem. And uh, not only did they fix that problem, you know, they have a whole bunch of new adjustments so you can basically micro-tune your rest. So if you're one of those guys who likes to dig in as deep as possible into the tuning, you um, Ripcord now has a rest that does that. Um, and what else? Uh, Made in America, owned by a veteran. Uh, the... And if you haven't had the opportunity to talk with anybody from Ripcord, these guys are just as hardcore and passionate about the outdoors as we are. So uh, it's something to th- take into consideration the next time you're looking for a product, if you're looking for something that's very well built, owned by someone who is passionate um, about the outdoors just like you, and uh, it's made in America, I think com is where you need to check that out. So, uh, And if you talk with uh, any of them, tell them uh, Nine Finger Chronicles sent you. Other than that, guys, we have so much to talk about in today's podcast, and we're going to get started right now. So here is Mike Tessatori from Hunters for Deer. Alright, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Mike Tessatori. How you doing today, Mike? Excellent, excellent. Thanks, Dan, for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time to come on. I think what we're going to do today is we're going to start off, right off the bat, where do you live and what do you do for a living?
1: Dude, that's the hardest question of the night, <laughs> you know. Um... I'm just, I'm just so excited to be on the show just because i got 10 minutes away from my wife and kids that I drive <laughs> right now. But, you know, uh, I, I live on Long Island, on the east end of Long Island, um, New York. Um, I work as a police constable in a sleepy little village on Dune Road. Um, and I have a nuisance wildlife control business. Um, a lot of you guys out west call them WCOs. We call them NUCOs on the east coast. And uh, we keep pretty busy.
0: Gotcha. So, you know, obviously today we're going to talk about whitetails. But does your this, you know, your position as a, a, a nuco does that include other animals as well? Like, let's say, like raccoons and possums and coyotes.
1: Yeah, uh, mostly it's, it's raccoons and squirrels. Um, and my specialty is actually whitetail deer because. You know, we have too many deer here, and, um, you know, it's funny because they used to like to talk about numbers, how many deer there were. And, you know, New York State, D.C. don't talk about numbers no more. They talk about where the damage is and where the conflicts are. So, yeah. since wildlife control operators um, could be a key tool to be used to manage those animals, but for some reason our uh, elected officials and the politicians like to push our, you know, DEC offices and our biologists to, to start looking at other methods of uh, controlling deer in terms of sterilization. Yeah, I know, read and, about and that. A, yeah, it's very interesting. So, yeah. you so, know, and using the USDA wildlife services to shoot them at night. So,
0: yeah. So, and we're going to get into all that, but in your regular job, why don't you walk us through what a regular day in your shoes is like?
1: And a regular day in my, show, that's pretty boring because I, I get I, I work sixteen hour shifts. I work uh, four to uh, eight in the morning, four p.m. sixteen hundred to o eight hundred hours, uh, two days, and then I do a four to twelve. Um, so outside of that, it's all about deer. Um, even when I'm at work, it's still about deer. And uh, we we start our program that I run. Um, March 1st and we go to January 31st and February I take some time off but 24/7 it's about you know getting new spots, finding the right hunters, you know and, and managing our properties.
0: Yeah yeah and that's what uh, we're actually going to be talking about today is this little organization that you started called Hunters for Deer uh, based out of Long Island. Why don't you tell us what Hunters for Deer is?
1: All right, well, we started out about 4 years ago and it was just, you know, a bunch of guys and we we started out as an LLC cuz we we couldn't get much money as as most guys know, you know, all the money's really with the duck hunters, you know. Big game hunters don't like to uh to part with their cash unless they uh are buying those those new uh, bows, you know. Right. And uh, we had an issue where we had the USDA getting access to some federal grant money that was getting tossed over to the Long Island Farm Bureau to take to kill deer using the federal government Uni- uh, USDA Wildlife Services. So you know, if you, if you read, you know, there, there's a book called uh, Nature Wars by Jim Sturber excellent book. Anyone that uh, you know is a deer nerd like me. Um, Should read that book because it it always tells you how, whenever the USDA come to town and start sniping deer because there's too many of them, you'll see hunters and wildlife activists and animal activists start holding hands, being kumbaya, you know, and it's that typical, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know, right? And uh, we we had the same same thing happened out here. We, we, you know, we had a bunch of hunters that weren't happy and said, Hey, hunters can do a better job and it's for free, you know? Right. And, uh, we had white Buffalo get involved with Dr. Anthony Nicola and he's giving advice and talking to municipalities and, you know, he likes to push his sterilization programs where they uh, do ovary They, they, they tranquilize the does, they, Grab them and bring them to a makeshift hospital, which is usually like, usually like a shed, a storage shed, where you know maybe the highway department used it to, to keep some some uh, salt and shovels or something, you know. Right. And then they uh, rip the ovaries out, sewed the the deer back up, put big giant tags tags in its ears, and and they let them go. Um. And it, it's just such a funny concept to me. Because the, the animal activists want to have this feel-good approach like, hey, man, we're not killing the deer, you know? Right. We love them. We're a stakeholder. And the reality of it, if you think about what they're doing, is they're actually guaranteeing the, the evisceration the evisceration of that species in right. that area. Right.
0: Right. Because
1: you know, there's, there's three what's going on with overpopulation? You have people worried about ticks, right? Right. You have people worried about car accidents, vehicle versus deer. Right. Um, And then you have indigenous plant species being destroyed, right? That understory, that six-foot-high clear space of woods that you can see through. Anyone that's been to Westchester, New York, I mean, it looks like someone went in there and swept up the woods, you know? Yeah. So, when you sterilized deer and you know the D C allows you know these science experiments, um, those deer still carry ticks. Right. Still get hit by cars, you know, and still eat plants. Until right. until they die of natural causes, get shot by a hunter that would like to have those tags in his pocket, those yep. little ear tags, or they get hit by a car.
0: So let me ask you
1: uh,
0: it, I guess, first I want to say a, a comment. I heard about the sterilization uh, method through yeah. Facebook, right? I clicked on the, you know, you're, I'm scrolling through f- Facebook. I see this, you know, Long Island castrates or uh, um, uh, sterilizes deer so they can't breed to help with the overpopulation problem. And I thought it was a joke, right? I literally I- laughed out loud when I read it. Then, yeah, then I got confirmation from the National Deer Alliance saying that, yes, that is really happening. So so taxpayers' dollars, from what you've said so far, one, are going to this method of uh, sterilizing deer and going to pay the USDA hunters to come in at night and snipe them?
1: Yeah, it's almost like a a wildlife Ponzi scheme. Right. You have the federal government... Giving a grant to the state to hire the federal government to kill the state's deer.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. And the funny thing about it is it's tax dollars. So even. It's
1: not crazy. It's not crazy. You know why it's not crazy? I'm going to jump back to White Buffalo and D-Nicola, how he likes to pitch his, you know, his program. He's a biologist, so he's a lot smarter than me. I'm not a biologist. I'm just a <laughs> dumb nupro that spends time in the woods with deer, you know, just like, you know, all these other groups that say they're addicts to deer. But D-Nicola De went around t- saying hunters suck. Hunters can't do the job. They don't have the tools. They don't have the season. DEC is too restrictive. Um, we lobbied. We had a 500-foot setback for, for archery four years ago we lobbied our butts off we went to albany and and you know we had some townships that were trying for four years to try to get the season to be extended during the early shotgun hunt so that you know because here you have to you have to be at 10 acres with a shotgun so they they wanted to we got we were able to keep bow hunting longer and we were able to get a 150 foot setback mm-hmm. i mean this state's for the zero foot setback so you can have a cul-de-sac with five homes and one house that doesn't want hunting can end the other four from having it. Just right. with a setback, if it's five hundred feet, you know, once it was reduced to one hundred and fifty, I think the numbers like it opened up sixty percent more land.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in a way, even if they, even if you're an anti-hunter, you're still paying taxes. So indirectly, oh. you're still supporting the 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 killing of deer.
1: Right,
0: absolutely, <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, you know nuts. what
1: they like putting up their little signs. You know, the, 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 the anti's like to spend you know billions of dollars on on roadside signs. You know, with, with, with fur coats. But how much money do they put towards conservation anyway? Right, none, zero.
0: Yeah, so, you know? So let's talk about people's views on deer in general. Out in Long Island, all right. So I live in Iowa, right? Um, I think of Long Island as one giant uh, suburb. Is that I mean, is that at all accurate?
1: You know, it's funny. I
0: Property upstate
1: and upstate New York um, in Coventry, and uh, all my friends up there, you know, say that we're city folk. Yeah, you drive you drive to where I live. It's all beaches and, and potato fields.
0: Okay, okay, um,
1: but. We have small smaller properties, you know. Some some of our properties are quarter acre properties and they're all on top of each other. Yeah. So if you want to really effectuate a hunting program in a residential area like that, you know, you gotta pull those properties together and get, get get consent from all those those houses. What's unique about the end of Long Island is is that we have five eastern townships and, and pretty much hunting on Long Island is only in Suffolk County. So We're not hunting in Queens. Manhattan's, you know, almost two hours from where I live. Okay. Um, So those five eastern townships, whenever a property is bought, the buyer pays a 2% tax to go into the Community Preservation Fund, which preserves land. And just like that movie, Over the Hedge, you know, you have these developments and you have these, swaths of, of woodlots in between them where backyards meet and there's that little preserved area. And, you know, the antis love to say how we overbuilt. Well, yeah, we might have overbuilt. And, you know, we took away deer habitat. And that, you know, going back to that Jim Sturber book, Nature Wars, you know, that's it, 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 just bullshit because we didn't, we didn't ruin their habitat. We didn't take away that. We enhanced their habitat. Because we started putting things in there that they like to eat. And, you know, in the 1500s, you know, when we first settled this, this land, the only way people were able to settle in this country were through beaver lots and, and, and Indian clear cuts. Yeah. It would take, you know, four days just to walk, you know, not even a mile, you know. Yeah. And um, when, we, when we put in our, our little suburbs, right, and deer, guess what? Hey, you know what deer are? you need going to hear this? You, you never heard this one before, but you know, they're creatures of the edge, right? Right. Well, you know, a lot of guys say, hey, that's not hunting, man. I'm a big woods hunter and you know, hunting in someone's yard at that place that you know, that's that's not really for me and you know, you guys don't hunt. You guys shoot backyard bucks. And I say, Well, I don't shoot really backyard bucks. I think I shot like um twenty six does last year. I think I only shot I shot two bucks last year. The year before I only shot one. I shot twenty something does that that first year, but you know this is the scenario that, that that we have here. You have salt marshes, right? Deer like to bed on the on the on the shorelines. That's how they traverse. That we, we have deer now that are going into Nassau County, thirty-five miles from Manhattan. Um, so it's it is a suburban, you know, hunting experience, right? And and successful. And proficient bow hunters are in need.
0: So what? What's the overall? Um, I guess what are the community's thoughts? You know, obviously you got some that support hunting, some that don't care one way or the other, and then some that are a hundred percent against it. What's the overall feel of the Long Island community when you talk with some of these? Um, Uh, people about hunting on their property?
1: You know, where I live on the east end, you know, it's always been a fishing and and hunting community. So we have that hunting and and that, um, you know, fish for food, hunt for food culture, right? Right, right. Whereas up west, it's not really there, but you have people that are so into gardening. And, you know, I have clients that spend $100,000 a year just on plants and get devastated by deer right and they're like you know i have have women crying to me saying i I can't even you know keep i can't even keep a hydrangea you know yeah they they eat everything they eat my ivy they eat my they eat my hostas yeah you know they eat my holly
0: right so is is landscape damage um a really big problem. When I mean landscape, I mean like you know your flowers, your your decorative plants, and, and things like that.
1: I mean, I, you know, it, we haven't we have indigenous plants, and in, in, in our woods look denuded in certain areas. And deer are not spread out evenly, you know. So at one point, the DEC used to say we had three times the carrying capacity. So there's another buzzword, carrying capacity. What does that mean? Well, in the hundreds, we had 30 million deer, right? Um that number pretty much declined rapidly with market hunting when, you know, people were hunting to sell furs and stuff, right? Right. So it wasn't really until the 1900s that we started building up our deer population, you know, with with programs from from Teddy Roosevelt, right? Robinson right. Pitt Act, and then um we brought our numbers back up. I think it was like the by the '90s, 1990s, to 30 million deer again. So, you know, if we were beyond our carrying capacity, the, the the deer numbers would totally crash. Yeah. Even one deer beyond the carrying capacity, and carrying capacity means how much food's available for them to eat in those natural environments. So, I would think that if you're a gardener. And you're someone that, you know, gardening's your life, right? Right. What's your life, Dan? You like uh, maybe hunting? Is that your life? That's my life, yes. That's that's, that's my life, you know? So, you know, for us, you know, do I care about my plants being eaten? No. I put white clover in my yard. (laughs) 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 I don't even have a lawn, you know? So, you know, but for a gardener, you know, I could see it being important for them. For someone that you know spends a hundred thousand dollars on their plants, you want to protect whatever your investment is. Right. So whether you're a gardener or you're just someone that wants to protect what you paid for or worked hard for, you know, right. maybe you don't have a hundred thousand dollars a year to spend on plants. But if that if, if it bothers you that are in your yard, then guess what? That's now a nuisance animal. Right. That animal is causing a conflict with that property owner. Right. Right. So, guess what? I'm not someone to tell a property owner what they can and cannot do. You want to choose to let the deer on your property live and eat your plants, then that's your choice. I can't tell you to do something different. And that's what's funny the difference between liberals and and people that are conservative. You know, liberals want to tell you how to live your life. Me, I just want to be left alone and don't want you to get involved in mine. Right. So, if I want to kill the deer on my property for eating my plants, then that's what I'm going to do. But I tell you what, Everything that gets killed, everything that I kill, I also eat.
0: Right, right.
1: And that that's one of the things that when you when you start looking at managing deer as a resource and changing hunting and not looking at hunting as just a man is a recreational tool, right? You know, we all look at hunting as recreation, you know. Right. Uh, I love being out in the this tree and and watching the leaves fall. Long Island really, it's now a management tool, so hunters are really transitioning from the way they would hunt. Does a bait, right? We don't shoot those does. You know, we're going to wait for the bucks. But now, you've got to shoot those does on Long Island. Why? Because they compete with the food for the bucks. So any of those plants that are in those yards, and the, and the does eat all those plants, then your bucks aren't going to be healthy.
0: Right, right. So getting back to Hunters for Deer, the organization how does it work? How does your organization connect with the property owner to allow someone from your organization to hunt on their property? How does that work?
1: Well, originally, (laughs) originally how it was supposed to work, um, was when we started seeing the issues and saying, wow, sounds like there's a lot of people that would probably support hunting, you know? Um, but they didn't know how to find a hunter. You know, maybe their cousin didn't hunt. Maybe they didn't have a nephew that hunted, right? Maybe right. They, they didn't have a neighbor that hunted. You know, what you see around here a lot is, you know, you'll have like five or six families lock up all the good farms, and they just strictly trophy hunt. And then the farmers get pissed because they get nuisance tags, and they're not shooting any deer, you know, unless they have antlers. Right. So, So, you know, our program started out with, you know, We'll find property owners that are interested in having a hunter on their property, and what we're going to do to make sure that they're comfortable with that hunter is give them one person a answer or to. so you know you could call me the deer manager, right right uh, but really, I'm the hunter manager because managing the hunters is four cornerstones of deer management, and hunter management, I would say, is the harvest. Right. Um, you have deer, deer management, hunter management, um, you know, herd, herd management, habitat, and uh, herd monitoring. And um, I'd say, hunter management is the hardest. So, you got to vet your hunters. Do a background check. Pay that thirty-five dollars, right? Right. Make sure they're not a pedophile or a burglar. Those are the two worst things to have someone within one hundred and fifty feet of a setback. Especially right. when someone wants hunting on their property, but the neighbor next door wants it because the neighbor that doesn't want it is feeding them every day because they love watching those deer. And we vet them. We provide them with insurance, although they are protected under the New York State General Obligations Law, which says that any recreational activity happening on someone's property and they get hurt, they, homeowners indemnified. We take it a step further. We insure our hunter, and we have them sign an indemnity waiver. Because most people aren't worried about losing the, the lawsuit. They're worried about defending against it and paying for it, right? Right. Right, right. Well, we do. We vet our guys. We ensure them, and we proficiency test them. How do we do that? Well, you know, we try to push our guys to only take twenty yard shots, broadside, quarter, and away. Those are the most effective ways to double lung a deer. Um, we, we do six shots from a ground blind, twenty yards broadside. Six shots from a tree stand, uh, twenty yards broadside, and only one arrow out of the twelve can be out of the vitals. I have twelve. Um, level 2 U.S. archery instructors in the group. I have 42 NUCOs, Nuisance wildlife Control operators in the group. I have one, two master um, New York State DEC um, educational uh, teachers in the group that give the courses for, for Hunter's Ed. Right. And we have several uh, regular, uh, you know, certified people that can give the course, as well as we have um, Jake who is a, a New York State licensed
0: tracking dog with his his handler Calvin? Nice. So, you you're kind of the liaison between the the group of guys that you have as hunters and yes. the property owners. Um, what are some questions that you get from these property owners who? either you start the conversation with or they contact you. What are some questions that they have about this program, about the hunters in general?
1: You know, a lot of times, you know, one of the things that the property owners are very concerned with is you're not going to have, you know, 100 guys on my property, are you? Because I have 100 guys in our organization. Um, And they they, they worry about having 100 guys. They think, wow, you're such a large organization. 100 aren't going to be here. And I say, no, they're not going to be there on the same day. But I do have a digital calendar with our properties listed, so you can pick the day, the area um, that you want to hunt, and then the property address, and you can hunt that stand. And outside of running this program, I also give talks to property owners on how they can get their own hunter. You know, you don't have to use hunters for deer. You know, here's what the rules are. Hunting sunrise to sunset. It's not duck hunting where it's a half hour before and a half hour after. So hunters in New York State can only take two bucks. They also can't consign those buck tags, so they can't use their wives' buck tags. And you see a lot of that, you know. You see guys who go into taxidermists; they're coming out with four, four bucks every year, and that's all great, you know. When deer are born, fifty percent of those fifty percent are bucks. But the problem is, is in overpopulation areas where there's been strictly hunting as like a management tool, you know, and we're only targeting bucks, and three thousand bucks are killed in an area that mm. have thirty thousand and that's only ten percent of the herd and you want to reduce the number, you've got to kill twenty to thirty percent. So right. guess what? you got to shoot more does. So with our program, we first started it out where you had to shoot two does before you could even shoot a buck on our properties that we manage, and you have to have your third doe dead and harvested and recovered before you could shoot your second buck tag. Um, we also have uh, an antler restriction. Um, it used to be an eight point or better and we now change that to four on one side. And that guarantees that the reason why we're shooting all these does and and we're reducing the numbers, we're trying to silence that squeaky wheel, right? You have these properties that are complaining there's too many deer. But at the same time, we want to protect our interests in state land properties. So we're going on private properties, shutting up the squeaky wheel by taking those doe families that live on the four or five properties over there, giving them some relief, thinking, hell, then now they're not going to call the USDA to kill all the deer in the state land again like Comset State Park in Lloyd Harbor. They've been running a program in there for the past uh, eight years, killing deer at night over over corn. Yeah. So this way, if we shoot more does and change the way the hunter hunts, that's that's how the program's designed, let them realize they're, they're an effective management tool because bow hunting's the only proven effective method to reduce deer numbers in a residential area. Put that power in the hunter's hand, Put the relationship together with a property owner that supports it, and shoot some deer that you're now going to put on people's food, on uh, people's table for food. Right. We also are a New York State Medicine Donation Coalition processor, um, so we process deer and, and we uh, donate it. We take in donations and Long Island Cares distributes that meat, and that's a real good feel-good thing. Um, But we also make our our venison available to property owners. If a property owner wants a deer, we can consign a tag to them. Um, We have a little donation form that the hunter fills out, and they can take a deer, they can have it butchered. Uh, Unsuccessful hunters, which is probably like 80% of the hunting community, um, they can can come and, and get a deer from us. So the USDA was processing 75 deer, and then the other 120 they killed, they took to a mass burn incinerator.
0: And they weren't even given, they were killing the deer, but they weren't giving, like, donating the meat?
1: No. No, they would donate. They donate, out of 192 deer, they process 75. My lord. Yeah, well, you know, they want them dead. Let me tell you something. If you want to talk about ticks, you know, a lot of people like to talk about the white-footed mouse, right? That, you know, the, the ticks, the, the, the nymphs bite that white-footed mouse, and they get the Lyme bacterium in them, then they mate the adult ticks by the time they get on a deer, you know? Yeah. Everybody likes to say, oh, go after the mice, but you know what? A garbage pail or a dumpster full of mice just isn't that impressive compared to a hole in the ground or a dump truck filled with 20 or 30 deer. That looks like a lot of damage that you've done. Yeah. Yeah you know and it's and and deer, so basically deer have become the scapegoat and and they're a big fat target like i said my group is about conservation we're not looking to kill every deer on long island we're looking to shut up the people that are complaining about them by removing them from their yard where they come into conflict with people if i right. can do that then i can protect the state land hunting opportunities for the hunters that don't participate in my program
0: right right so it's kind of, you, you you are in a way Giving guys like yourself an opportunity to hunt, as well as shutting people up that complain so loudly, it brings in, you know, dumbass, dumbasses who think that you know taking the ovaries out of does and yeah. uh, all these, you know, and you know bringing the USDA in, which your tax dollars are paying for anyway, uh, right. is a is a viable, you know. Is, is a viable solution to the problem. Now, the question is, you have 100 guys for you, you know, that, that work for, or that are in this organization. How many yep. deer did you kill last year, total? 440. 40 out of 100 guys?
1: 440.
0: Oh, 440. Okay.
1: In an area that only killed 3,000.
0: Okay. So...
1: We're responsible for eleven, twelve percent of the deer taken, Suffolk County, as a group. And let me tell you, some hundred guys don't kill all those deer. I'd say my numbers are probably closer to thirty-six guys killed all those deer.
0: Okay, and I have it, a
1: guy that killed thirty-six deer last year.
0: Wow, wow, that's a that's a lot. <laughs> that's a <laughs> lot of deer. Holy cow, and thirty-six.
1: And and thirty-five of those were does.
0: Wow, wow. And yeah. the one
1: deer he drew was a one hundred and fifty.
0: Okay, so he he got a one hundred and fifty class buck, but he killed thirty five does.
1: Whereas every other group, you know, it's funny since I started this. There's guys that 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 have started their own groups, right? And they like to tout the things that we do. We're we're a registered five hundred one c three. That is a federally recognized and a state nonprofit. Um some guys that's that we're in our group learned our tactics and they say they're a nonprofit organization also, but they're a 501 C seven, which is a club big right. difference when someone wants to give you money and think they're getting a write off and then they can't get the write off when you're a C seven, you know?
0: Right. Right. Makes sense. So
1: doing what we do. You know, when you add it all up, it sounds like a great program, but, but we've made a lot of enemies um, with anti hunters um, and we made a lot of enemies with trophy hunters. We we I get in the past two years we've had more problems with, with other hunters and the jealousy about access, you know, because they're in these little honey holes that we're starting to get permission to hunt, you know, and they they like to pretend that they're walking around their buckskins with their traditional bow up in Saskatchewan stalking this deer. Meanwhile, they shot that backyard buck.
0: Yeah, right. And they're they're hunting the same way that you are except they're not killing the does to, to help with that pop that population decrease
1: no but they're using every line that we use and they, they're throwing every line of shit out there and they say they're insured and they say that that their are background checked. i got a guy recently that hung a stand on a property that that we hunted on last year and we were hunting on this year and the property owner just wants deer dead he said hey the more to marry right and i said no i don't know that guy I can't have that guy stand next to mine, and I find out who it is, and I know and the guy's a convicted felon, oh wow, so how do I deal with that with my property owner when i you know so you don't want to put that property owner in a bad place, you know you want to, right. the property owners don't need the aggravation because guess what then they're just going to shut it down they're not going to allow hunting yeah. But what we're seeing a lot is guys that hunt are starting to target our property owners because they know it's a target-rich environment. It's a property owner that is has a positive feel for hunting. He accepts it. He'll he'll have a hunter on a property instead of targeting a property, another property that doesn't have hunting and converting that person to accept giving out a hunter. They're starting to target every other person that hunts right. property. Right. So when you want to play in that pool. You know, I'm just going to tell my property owner, hey, I don't, you know, I'll haunt your property, but if stuff gets stolen, I would check that guy that can't vote out first. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Check that guy and ask him why he can't vote.
0: <laughs> oh, man, it just sounds like you have uh, a lot of drama to deal with as well as, you know, trying to line up the property uh t- for for your crew now i have a question and that is are you getting any type of kickback from local government city boards on your guys's approach to this
1: you know it's funny because they're all complaining that there's too many deer and we started out working in this little village called remsenburg it's not a village it's a hamlet it's 3.6 square miles right and we did, like, a deer survey. We didn't do a survey in terms of, you know, the normal way you monitor deer is, is you take 100 acres, you put down some corn, right, and you go to another... Every 100 acres, you throw down a camera, and you do a 10-day camera sur- survey. We can't do that here. You can't bait deer on, on Long Island. We're an island. Imagine CWD spread out on an island. Yeah. All the deer would be dead. But what's, what's screwed up is the DEC is allowing... A four-poster program, which is used with whole kernel corn, clean corn, with uh, permethrin on these rollers. So when a deer puts its head in, it gets permethrin put on its neck, so it kills the ticks. You know, you, you all use soy, as I bet. You, or you No, you're from the Midwest, so you don't have no ticks out there, right? You just got those sheep kids.
0: Right? Oh, no, we got ticks. We got ticks all over Iowa.
1: Oh, all right, because out here, you know, I, I always thought it was just like a, a heavy, humid area with leafy material where, where all these ticks were. So, what do you have? have Black legged ticks over there? long thought ticks, what we do you
0: got? Well, I think, I'm not sure the the scientific name, but we have deer ticks, and we have, uh, and those are the ones that carry the Lyme disease, and then we have the wood ticks. They're, okay. They're bigger. Well,
1: it's interesting because they have this four-posters program, and that's and used with corn you know everyone knows cwd is is transferred through saliva so here's an area that they that you know they allow shelter island which is like a little island off of um it's just north of north haven it's in between the the, the forks of long island and they were big into the sport poster program but other animals go to that as well you know yeah. you have you have uh, raccoons and stuff like that but um so you got baiting over there you got baiting with the USDA putting out piles, you know it's just uh, it's a corn-friendly environment except for hunting. Right.
0: So, how successful is the USDA versus your method?
1: The USDA, man, basically it's like it costs them fourteen hundred ninety-two dollars to kill a deer.
0: It costs the USDA taxpayer dollars. $1,400 per deer?
1: Yeah, yeah. know, yeah, because they got to buy corn. They, they put their guys in the stand. They put the stands up. Now, with our organization, you know, we pay for our stands. We pay for our own equipment. You would think the municipalities would be kissing our asses and saying these guys are great. Two years ago, we went to the town of Huntington, which never, they didn't allow hunting, any, any bow hunting in the town of Huntington. Um, we got that opened up so that these the folks in Eaton's neck can have a hunting program. We met with their Eaton's Harbor Corp. Um, people that ran the two acre plots as a, as like a little, it's a, a little community. And we gave them a program and we told them, Hey, we get consent forms signed from our property owners, which by law, you don't need written consent. You just need verbal, right. um, got our consent forms we we ensure our guys you know we vet them proficient we put a tree stand we use ladder stands just because everybody can get in and out of a stand remember I said I don't hunt the hunter I hunt the stand um, if a stand doesn't produce after three days I shut it down till the homeowner says the deer are back right uh, you know because you don't want to burn a stand out um, but our program's great and I give presentations about it. And you know what's funny? Every municipality has been watching my program, seeing the success that we had in Remsenburg. Back to Remsenburg, 3.6 square miles. We did our survey, which was a spotlight survey, two nights. We, we estimated 340 deer in that area. First year we ran our program, we shot 71 does and two bucks.
0: Okay.
1: Second second year we shot 38 deer. Third year we shot 34 for 35 so The number kind of leveled out, right? Because, you know, now we've basically brought that number down drastically. Yeah. And then you have the antis that'll tell you, oh, they're just doing that so they can have a compensatory rebound effect. And now these does are going to have three or four babies each.
0: <laughs> so they obviously don't know anything.
1: No, 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 no. They watch a lot of TV too. Yeah. But our program was so successful with Remsenburg that you know, we started out, I think, with maybe 40 properties in there. Now now we have pretty much 80% support from the community. You know, back to what you said, because I'm never good at um, finishing a sentence or a thought, because I always I have ADHD, so I'm, I'm kind of hard <laughs> to track. But I always circle back. Right. You know, I always back. Right. You know and, and as you have communities, you know, some people want hunting, some people don't. And... I think the main thing is, is to try to be respectful of that, and one of the things that we do is we don't go deer on people's property. We don't look for deer um, in camo and walking down the cul-de-sac, you know, with the bow in hand. You shoot a deer, you're waiting to stand an hour before you even look at your arrow. Yeah. You get down, you look at your arrow, you know, you got a double lung shot, you, you know, you can go grab it, but... If, if you got a bad hit, we make our guys go back to the car and, and get dressed in regular clothes, you know what I mean, and then walk around. You don't want to rub it in people's faces either, so you got to work inconspicuously and, and respect property owner rights. I think that's one of the, the most important things with running a successful program. But as we've been doing this for four years and we have 100 guys and 20 leave and then 30 leave the next year and 20 leave, we're always replacing backfill, and I'll take a new hunter all day long, because I know I can train him to be the best residential, you know, bow hunter there is, because I'm going to teach him how to shoot, Right. I'm going to teach him how to be successful in recovery, and we got, each guy has 99 guys to help him track, you know, yeah. we, we work as a team, you know, all, my guys don't get jealous of each other, right. my guys don't put trail cams on the properties, and then say, you shot my deer, I got yeah. it on my camera, Yeah. you know, I yeah. hate that, Don't you hate that? These guys are trail cameras. They have a deer on trail camera. That's their deer. This is my hit list buck. (laughs) Yeah, I have a... That hit list of yours just came from your neighbor's property due to dispersal. Right. So all the bucks on your property will be going over to him by October uh, 22nd too, you know?
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: You're passing the (laughs) buck along. That's where that came from.
0: (laughs) Dispersal. So... You you mentioned that you have a large number of guys leaving as well uh, every year. I would think that in a high population like Long Island, a higher population, and it being hard to find uh, property by knocking on doors, I would I figure that an organization like yours, guys would want to flock to, and and because it's They don't have to take that step of going and finding land. You have an organization that will provide it to you. Why do guys leave your organization?
1: Well, you know, everybody, not every group is for every person. Right. Not every hunter wants to go in a stand and if a 160 buck walks right in front of him and he can't shoot it because he didn't shoot his two does, they don't like that. So outside of New York State, you know, hunting regulations, we have our own rules and procedures. Yeah. And um, it's important with every group. And, you know, we've modified our program pretty much, you know, every year we try to conform to the best practices. Um, like this year what we did was is we said, hey, it doesn't work. You know, you still got to shoot bucks too, you know. Yeah. Sometimes we'll have a property where we see, you know, some 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 really crazy big bucks where, where maybe their antlers are, aren't that great and they don't they don't meet an eight point, but you know that's an eight and a half year old buck on that property. So I'll say, who wants to take this buck that we've been seeing? And one of my guys said, I'll do it, and he shot a, a nine and a half year old spike. <laughs> so well, again, my goal with my guys is shoot more does and shoot mature deer. Right. With my so when I heard he shot that deer, he called me so excited. He's like, you, you're not going to believe how big this deer is. And I said, well, lay down next to it and take a picture of it. <laughs> so he lay down on the ground, and they took a picture. That deer from head to toe was bigger than my guy. Wow. That's nuts. And, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, we have a fun time, but every group's not for everybody. So guys form their own group. You know, you you hunt with your friends and, you know, I grew up here and and this was my rival town and they liked to hunt together. My main goal when we started Hunters for Deer was just to put the management in the hands of the hunter. Right? Right. And it's going to be the local hunter that's going to know his area the best. What happened was, is when we created our program and other people joined and left or joined to see what my program was about and then left and created their own program. They used some of the elements of our program, which you know sound good, to sell it, right, and to get access. Are they following my program? Probably not. I know the municipalities are. We just had South Hole Town copy our program and they're using that on their on their uh, town-owned properties. East Hampton Town's doing the same thing. What's crazy is they never give us credit because we're the vocal group. I go to every town board meeting in every town. We fight for, for access. We had uh, a big uh, meeting over in Beltaire. People protested not to allow hunting, and we went and we spoke, and, and, and the antis wanted to kill us. And then the hunters that grew up in that area all stayed in the back and didn't say anything. None of them came to talk in front of the microphone to support hunting. None of my brothers out there, my hunting brothers, came out and supported us. And when you, you go back to, remember ADHD, I said? Yeah. And we're going to go back to the beginning of the conversation where I told you that big game hunters are cheap. My program's not free to be a part of it. My program survives on, on the dues that my hunters pay. So will my hunters pay a fee? And, and, and this year it was 600 bucks to be a member of Hunters for Deer. And that money goes towards the insurance policies that we carry, we have a, a seven-acre horse farm. We have an 18-foot by 8-foot refrigeration cooler that we store our deer in. That has a winch. We have our own butcher shop. We do $10,000 in mailings to solicit property every year. And uh, we most of the tree stands that we get every year are bought by the members outside of their dues because, like any group, a third of the guys can do the work. Right. A third of the guys... Don't do shit. So those guys best be buying four tree stands for us to go hang properties. Because my program starts March first. We hunt year round. Okay. We got news, pretty, you know, and uh, and and then the other third of the group, they they might be handy at maybe just working at headquarters, and, and you know we call it headquarters because most of my guys, they're, they're police, firemen, and military. Gotcha. gotcha. Why is that? Because they can pass a background check and and they know how to be a civil servant right
0: right right so from a from a harvest standpoint you know last year you shot 440 some deer is is that reaching your goal or do you need to kill more than that number to be effective in re- reducing the population
1: you know Originally the DEC said there's 30,000 deer in Suffolk County. That's 32.89 deer per square mile. We do not have deer evenly spread out. Right. You know, just like any area, there's pockets of overpopulations of deer. Where the people complain about them is where my guys need to be. Does that always happen? Absolutely not. Do we always get enough access? Absolutely not. We have properties that get preserved by the Community Preservation Fund. Do we get in those properties all the time? No. So, our biggest problem is access. I could kill, you know, as many deers as, as they need me to kill, given, you know, the access and hunters that are efficient with their equipment. Okay. So, did I reach my goal? I reached my goal with my program, absolutely. Okay. Can I do more? Absolutely. Why? Because I know how to lead men. Because I lead by, by standing in the front. And I I do the dirty work with my guys, and I listen to everything that we that that needs to be done. I, I'm not a, I am not a, a an expert in anything. I just listen to people, and right. I try to just put the right people in the right in the right place, and that person will be successful. Everybody has a role, you know. Some right. people are better at, better at, at hunting, you know, deep wood properties. Some people are better in the thicket. Some people feel more comfortable standing next to you know a child's play set. You know, everybody has their own comfort level. And if you could keep keep everybody happy, because there's a balance between property owners and hunters too now. How 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 would a hunter feel going to a property and sitting there for 10 days and not seeing any deer? Right. And then you have a property owner saying, you guys aren't shooting any deer. Well, that's because they're only moving at night on your property. Right. You know, yeah. and then the property owner is mad and they say, oh, those guys don't do anything. Well, I can only shoot sunrise to sunset, ma'am. You know? Yeah. Your program's free to you. Yeah, you know that's our equipment. That's our thirty-dollar arrow in the ground. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: hunting's not cheap. Right. Right. And like I said, our our program is is one hundred percent supported by our hunters. Yeah, we get a couple of donations every year. It don't amount to less. it doesn't amount to more than a thousand dollars. That usually goes towards tree stands.
0: Now I got a question for you. Have you guys approached the government? And saying, because, you know, especially with military or security or, or, I mean, any anywhere, they the government hires third-party, uh, you know, cons, quote-unquote consultants all the time to do work. Why can't you approach the government, or maybe you already have, and said, you know what, it's currently costing you $1,400 to kill a deer. How about this? How about... You don't pay me anything up front, but for every deer that I kill, you pay me $200 or something like that.
1: Yeah, I'm already convinced my guys that hunt to be able to pay $600 a year to have access and to, have to be a part of this program. Right. What you're talking about is is logic. And dealing with it. The- <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, that's never going to happen. And and, and be, being a conservative, I really want less government. Let them keep keep screwing shit up because, you know what, there's only going to keep more deer for me and, 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 and my organization to keep getting access to properties. And eventually we're going to start getting access to those state parks that have been closed to hunters for all these years because they can't possibly put enough freaking corn down to shoot deer at night with rifles. Right. Right so, they don't ha I mean, everyone knows it's 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 the lone local hunter that's the deadliest. They know every deer in their area, right? So here you have a big organization, right, like ours, like hunters for deer, and we know all of these areas. We talk to the homeowners. USDA's not doing that. They just go and oh well we got permission over here, we're gonna throw down some corn and we're gonna shoot some deer. You don't always have access to every spot. And all those little sanctuary spots you know, it's just like how we, why we extended the hunting season for archery during that special shotgun season. We have special shotgun seasons January 1st and January 31st, right? It used to be Monday to Friday only. We got that to be through the weekend. Then we got archery to be permitted during that time. Why? Because now you can have an archery hunter or a bow hunter in a two-acre woodlot across from the 70 acres where there's, you know, one guy. Even though they they seven guys, they only let one guy go in there who pushes all the deer into the two-acre lot. And there's that bow hunter with, you know, some of the biggest deer he's ever shot. You know why? Because he shot a shitload of does in October, and then he waited till the deer was starving, and and then moving into those yards by the two-acre lot to shoot those big bucks. Yeah, they weren't 200-pound deer, but they were definitely 150s and 160s. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Man, that's... It just... This whole, you know, urban hunting—I've never done it before, and it, and it seems very foreign to me. But you know, obviously, it's for guys who want to hunt, and especially an organization like what you have, it almost seems like a no-brainer to be a part of it. You know, even even paying six hundred dollars a year in an area where. Hunting access is so limited just because of high numbers of people. That right there is almost like the same as paying for a lease. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And, and you know, it's funny because you know people don't you know realize we have a hundred and twenty three day season. Yeah. October first to January thirty first. Right. Not to mention our nuisance tag. So after January thirty first. I could throw down some corn as long as it's 500 feet from a roadway, on on our nuisance properties, and we can we can shoot over bait until the end of March. Right. And that's when we start getting into shooting those pregnant deer, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, 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 you know, and people are like, "Whoa, those deer are pregnant! Well, those deer get pregnant, you know, in October too." So. <laughs> right.
0: Right. So just driving through some of these areas, I mean, obviously there's a severe overpopulation of deer. Are you seeing, like, I just remember, I think it was, I go out to, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania every once in a while. And I remember driving through Valley Forge, uh, that, uh, state park. That's, right. uh, that's over there by, uh, west of Philadelphia over by King of Prussia, And, I can remember just seeing hundreds and hundreds of deer throughout this entire area. And exactly what you mentioned, it's like this five to six foot and down was gone in, in right. the timber. Because of your guys's and, and it's almost like you guys have an uphill battle to climb every year to control this because as we know – was-
1: Politics in deer hunting is ridiculous. The anti's can can fight us. They could they get one person that lives in in the area that wants to open up hunting that that donated to HSUS or PETA, and they pen a letter under that person's name, and then they fill the freaking auditorium with people that don't even live there that are also members of of you know HSUS.
0: What's so, H, what's HSUS?
1: Humane Society, United States. Gotcha. Oh, you know who they are? They're the ones that own the patent to PZP, which is the sterilization vaccine that they use use on deer next. Yeah. Which is a pig-based protein or something.
0: Yeah. So they're making money off using that injection.
1: Yep. And then we have the guys that work at Town Hall that run that are in code enforcement that are big trophy hunters. You know that bring their bow to work. You know those guys and um they don't want us in their honey holes, yeah. you know? So the politics of access and deer hunting is, is pretty disgusting because like you said, we've already proven that we have a successful and effective program. We proved the DEC's, you know, management plan that hunting is the only effective tool to manage, you know, deer population numbers. Right. Right. You know, can't, you know, these people that say, Oh, if we had wolves and coyotes and cougars out here, We'd have less deer. It's because we don't have that stuff that we have the problem and, and we overbuilt. Well, guess what? If we had coyotes and wolves and cougars, those they would eat all the all the goddamn feral cats that are out here. They would have eaten you no know, fawns and, and you know baby fawns and you know eating our turkeys. They'd eat those feral cats. All those TNR trap neuter release programs that all these people from PETA love throwing big plates of food right behind someone's dumpster at their pizzeria, you know. Come on. No wolf, no coyote is ever going to deplete their food source. They're keen enough to survive.
0: That's another... That's crazy. It just seems like a mad... It just seems like a madhouse out there.
1: It's a madhouse. It's the craziest thing you've ever experienced. But let me tell you something. You hunted my program for one year, you got 100 years of hunting experience. And all those guys that say that this isn't hunting... Those guys are shooting backyard bucks. Come and sit down in one of my stands. See what it's like. Sit in my dick $79 stand 15 feet up. You know?
0: Yeah. Sit in that. It's hunting because it's, 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 it it is hunting because it's what kind of hunting you have available in Long Island. I mean, I don't see, I, I mean. Is it feasible for you on the weekend to drive out of Long Island to upstate New York or Western New York or uh, into Pennsylvania or anywhere like that and and spend a weekend? That's like a ten-hour drive.
1: No, no, I got a house that's four hours away. I got a farm upstate. You know what? I don't feel like hunting up there because because it, it's all gun hunting. Once you introduce gun hunting to an area, you just educate it every day to you know. And, and they're a lot smarter. They're more nocturnal. Gotcha. You got to remember, the, you know, a, a mature buckle, o- you know, only moves forty three percent of the time, and he's crepuscular. So that means he only moves d- during twilight. He moves in the morning and he moves at night. That's when he moves. And he moves yeah. to scratch his ass and 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 stand up to to relieve himself. Yeah. But he's going to be in an area where those guys with the spotlights can't shoot their guns out their windows. You know. Right.
0: Right. So, what moving forward with Hunters for Deer organization, what are your goals moving forward?
1: You know, I guess maybe when I got into my 40s I stopped being goal oriented. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my my main goal would be to have access to we have, you know, the DEC being so hamstrung by politicians and municipalities and other hunters that just want local-only programs. You know, if you live in East Hampton Town, they only let East Hampton Town residents hunt on town-owned problems. South Hold, you can only be a South Hold resident. You can't see, say that you have too many deer if you don't want a bigger pool of hunters. My license is New York State hunting license. It does not say South Hold Town hunting license. Right. So like I see with my guys and, and managing hunters, you know, it's a very small pool of a very small of, a, of a small group, you know, of a skilled sport that, that archery is, right, that you can have successful people. And why not open that pool to more people that are successful or proven successful? Maybe DEC should have a program with guys that, you know, constant, you know religiously show that they shoot five deer a year give them more access, you know, but that wouldn't be fair to, to the new hunter, would it? So my, my goal, I guess, would be to see more hunters get access to areas where there's, there's deer conflicts and hunters getting more access to state parks where there's hiking. Because you know what? Hunters and hikers can get along just fine because you got to identify your target before you release that arrow. And you know, hunting, bow hunting is a very passive sport. Um, although the the CPF manager disagrees with me, but um, it's no one wants to hike anymore because of the ticks. Yeah. So put us in there, reduce the numbers. There's a study that says if you reduce the deer numbers down to five deer per square mile, that you'll see a ninety percent tick reduction.
0: Wow, that's a, that's uh that's something positive that. Uh people should hear, but it's, it's just bullshit that the, the, the crowd that's against you is screaming louder. Basically, Yeah. And
1: you know what, no one else is bullshit. The crowd that's against us are also other bow hunters trying to protect their honey holes. Yeah, man. Cause they don't want to, they don't want to shoot any does. Right. But you know what? They'll tell that they'll tell a the property owner that they'll shoot does to get on their property. So now they make all hunters look bad and make it harder for us to get access because these guys lie. Yeah,
0: you know? Yeah. just a crazy situation you got out there, man.
1: Yeah, living the dream, brother, living
0: the dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the thought that counts, and you're taking action to do something positive, it sounds like, for um, the area that you hunt to try to, um, you know, have, com- you know, do some conservation activities as well as fulfill, you know, the, the, yeah. the urge to be a, a hunter as well. So you're getting to be a hunter and you're, and you're, uh, playing a role in conservation as well. And I think that, you know, if obviously, like you said, politics and, uh, individuals in general may not agree with it or don't see eye to eye with you. I think that if if you continue to do what you're doing and show results, that there's going to be a time when it becomes a no-brainer for, you know, a uh, municipality or landowners to just accept you with open arms.
1: Yeah, no, that's it. And, and to, to go back to the beginning of the conversation – This whole thing started where farmers got a grant to have deer killed. But yet, if you go knock on a farmer's door to ask for permission out here, they're going to say no. Because they have a family that's been hunting their farm for 100 years, or they have someone who paid to lease the farm, you know, to, to, to run a business. And they're not shooting the does, but they need those does killed, don't they? They need those deer killed. Right. But... They don't want to give access to a guy that knocks on the door. Right. You know that's the hardest. That's the hardest thing to come to to break through is is to get people to to trust hunters and hunters got to basically take responsibility. And, and this goes everywhere between you know ethics and knowing right from wrong. I mean, by the time you're four years old, you should know if something's wrong. You know. Right. And you know I, we just we just heard you know. The President Trump say, you know, in, in one of his speeches re- recently, you know, he doesn't just make a decision based on party affiliation. He, he makes a decision based on right or wrong. And uh, you know, I'm that type of person too. You know, and and being an honest, good person, you know, God fearing person, you know, I think that's that's where hunters need to really get back to their roots and their tradition. You know, this is something. This is it's a sport. It's but it's also our tradition. Yeah. and uh we want to protect that and, and the only way we're going to protect that is by doing the right thing and being physical and not bashing each other right. and trying to be a positive influence and you know sharing that with our kids and, and our youth as well
0: absolutely absolutely well mike man i really appreciate you taking time to uh come on the podcast talk with us about hunters for deer and uh all the craziness that's uh, going out, going on over there in Long Island.
1: Yeah, no, no, man. Thanks, thanks for having me, Dan. Hey, can I plug my book?
0: Oh yeah, go for it.
1: All right, man. <laughs> I got a book out on Amazon. You can use it on Kindle. It's called Crooked Hoof. It's an old folklore where a half man, half deer creature goes and kills everybody in the village. And uh, it's just something it, it, I'd appreciate if you checked it out.
0: Oh wait, wait a second. I I want to talk about this now. <laughs>
1: wait we wait a of the show
0: no wait 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 it's not the end of the show I'm in charge uh, <laughs> you wrote a book about a half man half deer that goes into a village and starts killing people
1: Pretty much it's an old folklore that came that came to to a reality.
0: okay was this a folklore that you knew as a kid because I have never heard this story before. You've never heard of Crooked Hoof? I have never heard of Crooked Hoof. Did you ever hear Diaper Man? Diaper Man? Yeah,
1: every every high school has a Diaper Man, right? I don't think so. I didn't hear about oh, all right. man. <laughs> that. That must be a Long Island thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now uh, I'm interested. Yeah, I'm, so it's I'm, on Amazon. It's on Kindle. You can read about it. it has some witchcraft. It's an out, It's an outdoor thriller. Okay. Um. It's easy read and uh i I think you'll enjoy it it's a good campfire it's a good camp camp story to read you know while you're up at the camp if you don't get internet save it to your kindle and you can you can read it while you're uh, up at your uh, hunting camp
0: okay i'm definitely i'm definitely checking this out now (laughs) i
1: appreciate that
0: all right (laughs) hey thanks again for coming on man
1: all right brother thank you
0: and there you have it, another podcast in the book. Be sure to go check out the book, Crooked Hoof. I know that I am going to do that. Also, huge shout-out to Mike. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to not only come on this podcast, but to you know uh, put together an organization that is for the greater good. I think uh, what you're doing is awesome. Uh, huge shout-out to all the partners of the podcast Deer Lab, Ripcord, Exodus, Wasp, Gearhead, Ozonix, Lone Wolf, and Big Horn Outfitters. I really appreciate the support I get from those guys. So if you're looking for some kick ass products, please go check out the people who support this, the companies that support this podcast. Uh, other than that, check me out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And go to iTunes, leave a review. Let me know what you think there. Make sure you are subscribing to this podcast. Wherever it is that you're listening uh, to it or getting this podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, I think what that does is it automatically comes to your location. I know a lot of people use the Apple or iTunes uh, app for that. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, other than and right now you know I'm 100% focused on family um, I'm going to try to continually get these out I know the next couple of weeks might be crazy so expect maybe a day without a podcast um but I'm going to grind as hard as I can to not only fulfill the duties of a husband and father, but fulfill the duties of putting out a badass podcast as well. Um, ba, 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 ba. I think that's it guys. So um, we all know to wear our damn safety harness, but as the hunting season starts to rock and roll, remember, uh, family should come first. So, uh, if uh the weather's shitty and you know you're you're not going to go get a deer man take some time and spend it with your family